This is Jonathan Armstrong with Cordry in London, and thanks for joining us for this week's Tech Law 10. With me in California is Eric Sinrod. And Eric, your itch this week is social media. Scratch away. <laughs> okay, that's wide open for me. Uh, yeah, I wrote a recent blog about this. Uh, by the way, this is Eric Sinrod of Blame Morse. This is March 1st. Um, and I've been thinking about social media and its attacks on traditional investigative journalism. Um, well, actually not. Well, the, the, the threat posed to traditional investigative journalism by social media. I didn't mean to suggest that social media is out there constantly trying to bring down uh, explicitly uh, investigative journalism. But let, let's rewind a bit. Once upon a time, we received our news in traditional formats from finite media sources by way of newspapers, television, and radio. And of course, this all precedes you, Jonathan, because you're so young. Um, but, but the news we received from those sources did not vary tremendously one from the other. The news just seemed to be the news. And as Walter Cronkite, who was the nightly newscaster for CBS News, would say, and that's the way it is. That's how he closed every newscast every night. And in essence, he was saying, those are the facts. And Walter Cronkite, for a long time, was deemed the most trusted man in America. And he was a nightly newscaster. Uh, fast forward, times have changed. There are many sources for news. People can even choose a news outlet that suits their own political predilection. For example, someone on the conservative Republican persuasion in our country uh, might decide that Fox News is the outlet of choice. Uh, because Fox tends to present news more in line with that end of the political spectrum. And, of course, there are other news outlets that favor the liberal Democratic end of the spectrum. So what are the actual facts when reporting on the same events, and you know, how is it they can be interpreted differently? Um, and the answer to this question, Jonathan, is all the more important when we now factor in the influence of social media when it comes to the news. Uh, millions of people now are getting their news from social media streaming. Uh, as you know, Facebook alone has more than 1.5 billion users. My guess is it's probably now starting to push close to 2 billion, which is by population count the largest nation in the world. Uh, a substantial number of those users obtain their news from their daily Facebook feed. Uh, they also get quote-unquote news by whatever is posted by their friends. And frankly, at this point, almost anybody can act as their own newscaster posting information uh, and interpretation on events as they happen, whether accurate or not. So you know, is this news we're getting from social media reliable? You know, how far have we gotten from the days of Walter Cronkite on CBS News? Uh, and it's not necessarily reliable. Uh, this news uh, that we see on social media, if you can want to call it that, is not vetted in the same way as it would be through traditional journalism. Um, oftentimes, as I said, people are just venting their opinions and frankly creating facts from those opinions, whether unwittingly or intentionally. And then, of course, the stakes get even higher when fake news truly occurs. What, what do I mean by that? Well, for example, uh, a number of our intelligence agencies have reported that Russia and others attempted to influence our most recent presidential election, either by way of leaks or using social media to post less than credible information online. And it probably goes without saying, this can have huge ramifications. Uh, on top of that, Jonathan, by being able to choose our own designer news 
having the choice of what version of the news we want to receive based on our own political stripes, there really can be a greater divide between people of different political uh, persuasions. In essence, we're living in our own separate bubbles, and we're not actually completely aware of how others think and experience the world. And now we get to the point about traditional journalism, and I'm, I'm sort of coming around the bend here, Jonathan, and I'm going to be interested in your thoughts, obviously. But now traditional journalism is very much under attack. Um, and I said that at the outset, uh, but where is this attack coming from? Well, we have seen that a simple tweet from our president can send the world scurrying to ascertain whether what has been tweeted is truth or made-up facts. And when it is pointed out, that a tweet actually is not factually correct, the president accuses traditional media outlets of being fake news, and his administration has declared that the press is the enemy or the opposition, and not just the enemy to the administration, but the enemy of the American people. Uh, and we saw that some reputable news outlets recently were kept out of uh, a press briefing recently by the president. So this is pro problematical. Um, obviously, the press is seriously undermined when it seeks to correct factual uh, inaccuracies and that it's accused of being fake news. So now we have sort of like this shell game. What is the fake news? I refer to fake news as stuff made up to potentially have uh, you know, real consequences. And then you have the traditional news, which strives to be accurate, being called fake news. Um, yeah. I, think, you know, I think, Jonathan, you'll agree that the press serves as one of the most important checks and balances to protect democracy. Uh, but now traditional press must compete with social media. Um, and the problem with that is social media gets uh, posted immediately. Uh, it has a sensational effect. It drives people very quickly to it. And how do you compete with that? Especially when you think about the traditional, traditional investigative journalism, it's very time consuming. Uh, and labor intensive and frankly costly and who's going to pay for that in competition uh, with social media. Uh, such journalism with persistence and digging uncovered and reported on the Watergate scandal in the early 1970s. Uh, such journalism obviously is imperative now too. It always is important to make sure that those who are governed are governed properly by those in government. I know that was a yeah. mouthful, but, but it's true. And frankly, even bringing it forward, Without the press, it probably would not have been revealed that former, briefly uh, in place, National Security Advisor Michael Flynn uh, communicated with Russia during the presidential campaign about the issue of sanctions against Russia that had been imposed by former President Obama. So getting to my very last uh, little diatribe here, and then I'll turn it to you because I feel strongly about that. To get back to the original question of this piece, you know, as a country here in the United States, and of course, in other places too, we need to support the efforts of traditional journalism to make sure that we receive and digest true facts. Uh, it would be helpful as a people that we step out of our own social media news bubbles to see what is really happening and to learn the views of others so we can maybe bridge the divide. And then frankly, if possible, and I'll be interested in your thoughts on this one in, in particular, you know, can social media companies really take efforts to make sure that the news that comes onto their sites uh, is placed from reliable sources. Um, that one I'm really interested in your thoughts on how much do they get involved. And then frankly, we really should not tolerate attacks on the traditional press by the government. Last point, yeah. uh, President, President Trump did have an address to Congress last night at the end of February, February 28th. 
and he struck a more positive, seemingly presidential tone. We'll see if that translates with respect to what I've been talking about here going forward. Will there still be angry tweets and comments made by the president against traditional news outlets? So that's a lot for you to unpack, but I, I know you'll do it. Yeah, an awful lot to unpack. I mean, the easy one for me, I think, is can we rely on social media to, uh, you know, stamp out fake news? I think personal opinion, short answer, no. I think that genie's out of the bottle. And I think to expect, given, you know, take Facebook as an example, given what you've said about um, about the volume of subscribers they have, can they realistically post what... Uh, you know, vet what each of those people are posting? Absolutely not. If you look at Twitter, you know, I know I often use it, but my, one of my favorite Winston Churchill sayings, you know, uh, a lie uh, is halfway around the world before the truth has got its pants on. Well, that's absolutely true of Twitter. To think that you can, in that nanosecond between hit, send, and publish, approve every tweet that everybody sends in the world is is frankly lunatic that genie is out of the bottle that train has left the station pick what illusion you like that isn't happening um my worry is that i think we have changed so much in the last year you know if you look at the old days by which I mean 2016. You know, we had investigations like Mossack Fonseca. I don't think you need to go back as far as Watergate even, Eric. You know, we've had investigations like Mossack Fonseca involving whatever it did, 25 different journalists from different news organizations worldwide, unraveling that complex web of hidden um, hidden corporations. I know from some of the cases that we've worked on that I'm obviously not going to talk about now that some of that work has been invaluable. Obviously, you know, leaders of states have had to resign because of uh, of the light being shine, uh, shone on their financial mm -hmm. affairs, and and investigations like that, I, I can't see them happening to the same thoroughness and degree in 2017 as they did in 2016. And I think we should reflect on that, because is that a society we want? I, I'm, as, as you know, a member of the Media Society in the UK, and they've had some fascinating events on this topic, including with some leading BBC anchors. And I think a, a world in which a BBC anchor, a, a, a BBC journalist is accused of being a proponent of fake news and then is excluded from a press briefing for being part of an alternative news organization is, is, is frankly unreal. And I think the other constraint that the media have is that a lot of the ad revenue is going elsewhere because the eyeballs are going elsewhere. I uh, do uh, a, a small pro bono project questioning um, uh, people who haven't got lawyers in their family who wish to become lawyers. And uh, I've been depressed, I think, by some of the interviews over the last year or so in that you know, the source of news for would-be lawyers is Facebook. When you ask them, about legal cases, 
you get the the Facebook version of what the case decided, and there's no depth behind it. There's no, you, you know, we're not. My worry is that, you know, whole generations of lawyers, for example, won't be able to explain cogently the facts of a case because all of their genetic coding, if you like, or at least their their training from an early age has been a 30-second summary of a case which may or may not be accurate, but at least is, uh, you know, insubstantial and communicates some sort of message, even if it's wrong. And finally, my, my last point about that, Eric, the lack of funding is it's funny you should raise this as a topic today, and, and obviously we don't discuss this stuff in advance. I had a really interesting long train journey yesterday, and um, uh, I was sat on a table of four people, one of whom I knew was a trade unionist, and two of whom I knew, uh, because of what they said, were from a uh, large media organization. It wasn't the BBC. I probably, I won't name them, but it, it was a large mainstream news organization. And I was staggered at the indiscretion of the journalist's conversation, particularly when it was really easy to work out that the fourth person on our table was a, a, a trade unionist because she had papers relating to her trade union activity on the table in front of them. And the source of their discussion was a memo that apparently had been sent yesterday to this media organization by the CFO of the parent company effectively restricting all travel. And uh, effectively, and we've had elements of this in the public domain, we've had, um, you know, for example, sports anchors have to admit that they weren't actually at the game. They were watching it on the TV feed because their organization had run out of budget to send them to watch the game at the venue. And effectively, from the conversation that I overheard yesterday, news organizations, or at least this particular news organization, is now in the same game. You know, if we're commenting on a story in, I don't know, a march in Washington, do we really need to send a journalist to Washington? Or can we pick that up on the CNN live stream, uh, sit in our office in front of a TV screen and pretend we're in Washington. Now, that seems to me to be, frankly, nonsensical, particularly if the news organization in question isn't going to disclose the fact that they're not there. Now, it yeah. might be that a sister organization is taking the, the footage, and it might be that they're able to direct the cameramen of that sister organization. But still, it seems to me to be deceiving the public, if that's the intention, to have an eyewitness report who sat, you know, four and a half thousand miles away commenting on it uh, uh, because of what they can see on a TV screen. And that, I think, is another worrying aspect of all of this, because the revenue is being slowly drained away from the mainstream media, then the quality and the integrity mm -hmm of what they're reporting, you know, my worry is that will decrease as well. So yeah. I'm afraid I've unpacked some of what you said, but I don't think I've brought any good news, have I?
No, I don't think there are so many directions we could take on this. And just to sort of wrap this up, because I know we're past our ten, um, I, I agree with you. It's going to be very difficult for social media companies to try to vet and make sure we have real news. Uh, and frankly, you know, under our own Communications Decency Act, Section 230, uh, Internet service providers really aren't responsible for third-party content posted by others, nor do they want to be, because think of how that opens them up to potential liability. And with millions of posts every day, practically how could they do it anyway? Uh, another interesting thing we should think about maybe for another day is the concept of native advertising, where even when you think you're looking at real news, there's baked into it uh, advertising, uh, which can slant the quote-unquote news that you're getting, and you don't even mm. know it. Um, so we have that. But um, no, that's a, that's now, another good topic, and and uh, and that's something that we're seeing here as well. Where the terrestrial broadcasters are subject to quite stringent rules on product placement, those rules are weakening, and some of the you know non-established broadcasters are are little better than QVC in terms of the you know exactly. what drives their agenda. Right. So I believe this has been Tech Law, <laughs> tech law 194. What I mean by that is Tech Law 10. We're a little bit over on the 10, but this has been our 194 podcast and still going strong. We're inching ever closer to our bicentennial coming up. So stay with us. Keep sending us thoughts um, for topics and comments on what we speak to you about in these podcasts. My name is Eric Sinrod. I'm at Dwayne Morris based in San Francisco. My email is ejsinrod at DwayneMorris.com. You can find us on the usual social media outlets. Are we traditional journalists, Jonathan? We're, we're, we're podcast commentators. Uh, so, Jonathan, why don't you close it out, please? Yeah, I'm Jonathan Armstrong, jonathan.armstrong at cordrycompliance.com. Uh, thanks very much for uh, listening. As uh, Eric says, do engage with us via the usual channels or a channel of your choice. And, Eric, that's the way it is. And that's the way it is. 